It's fascinating to me that the NCAA and the powers that be in the sport, and as we're going to hear a clip from Coach Beheim here shortly when he discussed some of these matters on the show last week, and everybody's kind of molding the sport in a new image. So no matter what, even if they didn't do any of these rule changes, transfer rule, name, image, and likeness, the G League kind of stepping in and taking away some top-level talent from college basketball, the sport's going to change on its head as it is and how it's approached because coronavirus is going to change everything in our lives and how we approach it. Let's start with the transfer rule, the G League, the name, image, and likeness thing all kind of wrapped into one because there was a voice I was waiting for on this, and we didn't hear much from him yesterday because he was working on some things. He wrote a terrific piece on ESPN.com that I would highly encourage you to read today. Made some appearances on some ESPN shows because it goes without saying how prominent a voice Jay Billis is in the college sports landscape. College basketball mostly, but in the college sports landscape. He helped shed some light on some things the NCAA has been doing wrong, that the schools themselves have been doing wrong, that the need for change was there. And there was no more direct voice on this. There's no more rational voice when it comes to not only the NCAA, but just kind of how college sports works these days than Jay. So I was looking forward to getting his voice on this, and he was out there today reacting to just a bevy of things happening in the college sports world. Let's uh, listen to what he said about all this today on Get Up. It will diminish college basketball. I'm, I'm not like those who say there's doomsday around the corner. It's going to kill college basketball and ruin it. It won't. College basketball will be fine. I don't think college basketball wants to be just fine and wants to survive. Like some say, well, we survived without LeBron James and survived without Kobe Bryant. Yeah, we survived and, and we're doing just fine. But it would be better if you had them them in school and, and playing uh, in college. But I think the biggest question, Greeny, is... For colleges, the NCAA, to say, hey, we're educators. We should be encouraging young players to come to college. Because if, if we're encouraging this, they're calling it a pathway, if we're encouraging people not to go to college, what's the message you're sending to young high school players? You're basically telling young high school players, you don't even need to worry about your high school work because you don't want to be eligible to come to college anyway. So who cares? I mean, I, I think that's a really bad message for educators to send to young people. We should be encouraging young people to come to college and incentivize it. Now, th this move with name, image, and likeness is, is a step forward in that regard, too, uh, that we're not, you know, we're not putting up more barriers. But I think it's offensive for, for you know, higher education to say, if you don't want to be Shane Battier or Bill Bradley, we, you know, off with you. We don't want you at all. I think that's a, that's a really bad message. Direct, educated, and rational point there from Jay Billis, as we would expect. Now, some of the top-level talent, and we've already heard of three five-star players, that are going to take advantage of these offers from the G League and go. So what you're going to miss out on, the worry there is, as Jay noted there, the sport will survive. The sport will be there. But are you going to be missing the Zion Williamson-type players, the big-name guys? Well, how are we incentivizing these players to play college athletics? Well, name, image, and likeness is part of that. Because there's only so many players that the G League can give five hundred grand to, particularly with whatever world we're going to be in down the road in the coronavirus era where, you know, obviously the, the dollars that are out there are going to slowly but surely build back up. There's still big-time dollars to be had in professional sports, but where's it all going to come from, right? There's 
there's 30 million people out of work. Even the professional sports leagues are making cutbacks and furloughs and executives and players are, are taking pay cuts and, and they're not just going to snap a finger. Hey, we're open again. And, you know, the fire hose of money is just going to spit out millions back at these leagues. It's going to be a build back up. But in a perfect world, when this exists and when it happens, what's the list of players in the G League that get the three, five, eight hundred grand, whatever the offers are? It's it's less than 20. There's still talented, high-level players that A, will want to play college basketball, B, will need college basketball because they're not one-and-done guys. Maybe they need two or three years. And if they have the opportunity to make some money, if they just want to be professionals and focus on the sport and that's it, hey, now you've got a pathway to it, as Jay noted there, the pathway program. That's fine, and you've got that opportunity to do it. But if you still want to get on the stage that college basketball provides on net, because look you can get paid but you're still playing for the main red claws and nobody short of an ESPN or a national outlet broadcasting your game or writing a story about you're putting some sort of spotlight on you it doesn't come close to the four-month window that college basketball provides when you're on ESPN all the time particularly in a major league and what the NCAA tournament can do you want to get paid and play pro ball, that's great. You know, go to Sioux City, Iowa and do it. But there's still a stage that college basketball provides. The timing of the name, image, and likeness thing being put into place while they've got to hash it out and figure out how they're going to do it is good for college basketball. You've got to incentivize those players to be there. But there's still even a level below that. And I can't put an accurate percentage on it, but let's think about this. So... The players that are going to get the G League offer, it's less than 20. Okay, so then there's that next level of players that are still going to need a year or two of college basketball. And remember, the one-and-done rule is going to go away soon. You won't be required to go to college basketball, but it still might be a pretty good idea for you to take advantage of it and do it. So what is the list of players? What is the number of players that will come to a Syracuse, a North Carolina, a Duke, a UCLA, and will reach a star level or reach a level on a local angle enough that they can do some car commercials and they can do some autograph signings and they can do whatever it is they're going to be authorized to do to make some money, focus on ball, and then get drafted. Beyond that, there's a huge percentage of players that are going to still want to do it the old-fashioned way. That'd be kind of cool to have a scholarship at a major university, play that high-level sport, but... I'm here to go to college. I'm here to figure out what to do with the rest of my life because it's not going to be football or basketball. By the way, that name, image, and likeness thing, while certainly the high percentage of players are going to be the the starting quarterback, the point guard on the basketball team, the high-level stars, remember, there is an opportunity and a window for athletes in sports that may not be on the stage that football and basketball provide. That could cash in. And I thought of a great example, and I actually talked to him today for my podcast. You're going to hear this next week. But think of a guy like Justin Knight, national champion, ACC champion, the most accomplished runner in the history of Syracuse University, and one of the most accomplished athletes, frankly, in the history of Syracuse University. And that's a pretty heavy list right there. There are players like Justin Knight that stand out. Katie Ledecky at Stanford as a swimmer. 
She could get endorsements. There are companies within those sports, within those Olympic sports, that would certainly love the opportunity to give athletes of that nature name, image, and likeness rights. So when people say, ah, it's just going to be the quarterback, it's just going to be the basketball player, I will remind you to never underestimate what certain sports, what certain programs mean in certain locales. It's a market for them to go pursue that. And it's not just commercials. It's not just autograph signings. It's being allowed to do clinics. If you're a standout in your sport, and I'm just using this as an example, I don't know if she would even do this, but I think of like an Emily Harris Chuck, who is going to go down as one of the greatest lacrosse players, male or female, in the history of Syracuse. She can do a clinic. She can teach. And she wants to coach, by the way. This would be somebody using their education at Syracuse as we're supposed to do at college, right? Try and figure out and train ourselves what we want to do for the rest of our lives. Well, athletes want to coach and want to be involved in sports, doing a clinic, coaching, preparing for what you want to do in life. And if you can make some money based off of the name, image, and likeness, the status that you have, all the better. So that's what that argument's about. That's what this is about, and I still look at it as anybody would with a skeptical eye about how the NCAA is going to try and maintain control of this, how the NCAA is going to screw this up, what guardrails, to use their term, they're going to put into place that we're still going to look at this and say, you know what, you got dragged into this, you got forced into it, you fought it for years, spent literally millions of dollars to lobby against this, so now you're going to go in kicking and screaming now you're going to go in and still try to maintain some level of control. But you know what? The fact we're having this conversation today, the fact that it is going to happen whenever it does, because the NCAA loves committees, January 2021 most likely is when this will be enacted. Let's look at that side of it. Now let's let smart people figure it out. Now the transfer ruling today is interesting because the NCAA board is recommending against it. It doesn't mean it's not going to happen. But that does carry some weight. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to revisit something Jim Beheim said on this show about it just last week. He told us the date. He told us what to look out for. It still could happen. In the short term, would really benefit Syracuse. But thinking about how this could change college basketball overall, think how hectic the transfer portal is now. It could get that on steroids if this rule goes in. But the NCAA board recommended against it today. What does that mean? Our main man, Mike McAllister, with us here on the block, ESPN Radio. How you doing, Michael? I'm fantastic, friend. How are you? Just living the dream, pal. Everybody safe and healthy and uh, doing the thing these days? Yeah, that's what that's what we're trying to do, trying to prevent some cabin fever, but, you know, making the best of it. <laughs> I think we're all at that point, right? I've watched everything on Netflix. I've read all the books. I've done all the things. So, uh, yeah, we're all we're all looking for ways to, to break the cabin fever. Mike, uh, before we get into recruiting, and it's actually been busy on that front on football this week, uh, you follow this stuff and, and have weighed on it, certainly. We've discussed it here and there. But now that the name, image, and likeness recommendations are in place, and we're going to see some details start to fill in on that. From a Syracuse perspective, how do you think this changes things? How do you how do you think uh, these student-athletes are, are going to be able to take advantage of things in a town that, that really admires uh, some of the bigger stars in those respective sports? 
See, I've kind of gone back and forth on this. And my, my thought is, I think there's almost going to be two waves. In the initial wave, there's going to be a larger gap between the haves and the have-nots, the blue bloods and the non-blue bloods. So look at Syracuse football, for example, right? Syracuse football is not Alabama. Immediately, as soon as this goes into place, I believe schools like Alabama and LSU are going to start throwing promises, money, whatever, at the elite recruits, and there's going to be an arms race. And that's going to make it more difficult for Syracuse to compete with some of the elite schools when they're trying to land you know, even the mid to high three or low to mid four-star prospects that they're more realistically uh, involved with right now. However, I am thinking that over time that will normalize to some degree because as some of these boosters and and other uh, affiliates throw money at prospects, when they start throwing it at the fourth five-star quarterback in a row that they've recruited and realize, wait a minute, this guy's going to sit on the bench for two years and then might go into the transfer portal. What am I offering him all of these marketing opportunities, quote-unquote, for? And I'm thinking at that point, you might have some of that start to normalize a little bit where there is much more um, bringing everyone back to the pack. That's at least my hope. I think for Syracuse basketball, they're going to be more in the blue bloods in that I think it may help them on the recruiting trail in what they can offer or potentially offer some elite prospects. So I think initially it'll help Syracuse basketball, might hurt Syracuse football, but over time I think it'll become a normal thing and we'll see where some of that money goes and maybe some of the money won't be spent nearly as much as people are are thinking initially. Yeah, I'm curious how the NCAA is going to implement this. I think in some of the recommendations yesterday they said basically you can't use it in recruiting, but you know recruits are smart and they're going to see what kind of markets they're in and what kind of opportunities are there and what players are getting. So how that factors in, it's all it all comes back to recruiting in some way, shape, or form, as you know as well as anybody, Mike. But look, Syracuse is just one of many college towns out there where you're the star, you're the guy. And it's not just the high-level players. I brought up an example earlier. I, I talked to uh, Justin Knight from my podcast, which is going to come out next week, and he's, he's a cross-country guy. He's a track guy, but there's opportunities within those sports to get endorsements and, and all sorts of things. So it's not just going to be, you know, the Tommy DeVitos and the Joe Girards of the world. There's there's opportunities everywhere, it seems. Absolutely. And, and as far as the you can't use it in recruiting, you're not supposed to use shoe companies to funnel money to parents of recruits either. And we know that exactly. happens. So, exactly. you know, you can say, oh, well, you can't promise anything to a recruit to help land them. But you don't think someone's going to say, hey, listen, at, at Syracuse, we've got a lot of affiliates down in New York City. Just saying. Yeah, I mean, stuff like that, as an example, is going to happen, regardless of whether the NCAA says it should. No question about it, Mike. That's down the road. We'll see how it affects things in the near term here. it's uh, It's been busy. On the football recruiting front, got a couple of alerts this week. Let's start within the state. You wrote about this today. The first in-state prospect to join Syracuse in this cycle. Tell us about him. Jalen Moss. And here's the thing you need to know about him. Defensive lineman from Western New York. And he has um, some pretty darn good bloodlines. And not only good bloodlines, period, but good bloodlines related to Syracuse. He is the cousin of Chandler and Art Jones. Both of them had very good careers at Syracuse, went on to the NFL where they were both drafted. Both have won Super Bowls. Chandler Jones, one of the best defensive players in the NFL the last few seasons, last several seasons. So 
you know, there's some good bloodlines there. He's a kid who, 6'4", 250, 260, somewhere in that range, plays primarily along the interior of the defensive line at the high school level, could play either inside or out, depending on how his body develops. But this is the, the exact thing that Syracuse should be taking advantage of. He is the prime example of a kid who, during a normal recruiting season, he goes out and participates in camp. He's got uh, schools coming through his um, high school looking at him during the evaluation period getting on more schools' radars than would typically come through Western New York. That's not happening right now because of the coronavirus outbreak. And so Syracuse has a little bit of a proximity advantage, and they're able to get him before he has an opportunity to blow up. So this is a guy, I think, who has a tremendous upside. Obviously, as I said, great bloodlines and uh, one of those situations where it helps Syracuse with the current uh, situation given the pandemic. That's interesting what you just said about close to home, how that's going to factor in New York State players. So he's in. Is there anybody else on the radar that they're looking at within the state that maybe they could have more of an advantage with, given what you just said about COVID and how recruits are reapproaching things? To some extent. They're primarily looking downstate for most of the other prospects that they're looking at, New York City area, where that helps you in one respect in that, you know, Syracuse isn't too far from New York City. It's, it's a pretty short drive, all things considered. And it does give uh, family members an easy opportunity to see um, their, their kid play. At the same time, Rutgers is much closer to New York City than Syracuse is. So it can become problematic from that perspective when you're going after a kid from New York City that Rutgers is going after. While you have that proximity, you don't necessarily have the proximity advantage over them. And one player in particular... Elijah Fuentes is a defensive lineman from downstate New York who Syracuse has been recruiting extremely hard, and Rutgers seems to be their biggest competition down there. So that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out, but it certainly helps Syracuse. And look at who they've gotten in their 2021 class so far. One player from Massachusetts, one from New York, and two from Pennsylvania. So they're staying within the region right now. Staying on the defensive side of the ball, Mike, Anwar Sparrow, a linebacker prospect. He will be eligible this year. He's planning on coming to Syracuse in the summer, and we'll see how all that goes with coronavirus and when players can be on campus, of course. But another defensive player, a connection with Orange assistant Chip West there. Tell us about uh, Anwar Sparrow. Yeah, he's a kid who was on the radar of a lot of Power 5 schools, most notably Louisville. He took an official visit to Louisville right before um, National Signing Day in February. And everyone thought that Louisville was going to offer and that he would end up signing with Louisville. And turns out the offer never actually came from the Cardinals. And so because of that, he still remained unsigned. Because he remained unsigned, that gave Syracuse an opportunity where Chip West found out about this kid, used his connections in Virginia to not only do research on why wasn't the kid signed, what type of a kid is he, does he fit athletically, academically, and and locker room-wise. He uses those connections. They get in touch with Sparrow, start recruiting him extremely hard, and are able to get him signed really before anyone became aware publicly that Syracuse was pursuing him as hard as they were. So a three-star, excuse me, three-star linebacker out of Virginia had a bunch of power five interests. And it seems like the biggest issue with him and why he didn't have more offers 
was many didn't expect him to qualify academically. He becomes an academic qualifier, perhaps potentially because of what the NCAA did with their qualification rules due to the coronavirus, and Syracuse is able to scoop them up. One more football note wanted to throw at you, Mike, then an interesting class of 2021 basketball note to pass along. And Mike McAllister is our guest here from CuseNation.com. A offensive line offeree, Rod Orr, there's an interesting video game connection there for him, right? Yeah, so when I found out Syracuse offered an offensive lineman from Alabama who had multiple SEC offers and, and, you know, had some Big Ten, Big 12 offers, and it's not a state Syracuse typically recruits. So I found it interesting that they decided to offer. So I reached out to the kid and asked him, you know, hey, what was your interest in Syracuse? And he said, oh, I, I actually laughed when they offered because I used to use them all the time in the NCAA 2012 video game. I said, really? What made you pick Syracuse? Considering you're a kid from Alabama, you would think <laughs> right. you'd think Alabama or Auburn's going to be the team he's going to pick. And he said he loves the Syracuse mascot. Otto the Orange is the reason <laughs> that he decided to be Syracuse. And he used to play with them um, in the Road to Glory feature, which is essentially you become a high school prospect, you pick which school you're going to, and you control only that player during every game. You don't pick plays, you don't do anything else, you just control your player. And he won the national title with them uh, while playing that game. So kind of an interesting little connection that, that was unexpected that I uncovered when I reached out to him. How about that? Interesting. And you never know what will get Syracuse in the door, but they will take it. And with the name, image, and likeness thing, that's the first thing a lot of people thought of is bring back NCAA football in the video game. So we'll see where that goes. Mike, on the basketball front, the class of 2021 has been pretty quiet, but one of their top targets, Benny Williams, slimmed his list down, and Syracuse made the cut. Yeah, he's, it's Syracuse, Maryland, Miami, and Georgetown, I believe, are the top four there. And make no mistake about it, I understand Georgetown and Miami are named there. This is Syracuse versus Maryland. And this is a kid from the state of Maryland, Syracuse has recruited him extremely hard. They were in on him long before the Terps were. That helps them. The fact that he plays AAU ball for Team Takeover, that helps Syracuse because they have a good connection within that AAU program. Red Autry is very well respected within the Baltimore, Maryland area. That helps Syracuse. The fact that they use players of his similar size and skill set and put them into the NBA over the last decade or so has help, will help as well. But I think this is really where Syracuse is prioritizing him, arguably their number one target in the 2021 class. It's all about how much they really are ramping up their interest. Because we know Maryland is communicating with him on a daily basis. Head coach Mark Turgeon is doing Zoom calls, virtual visits, all of these things to try to keep him home. Syracuse has to make sure that they're matching that level of communication, that level of uh, showing him how interested they are. And it's funny because I watched an updated highlight tape of him today, and I kept thinking he looks so similar to Elijah Hughes in a lot of ways in terms of the way he moves, his jump shot mechanics, some of those things. I think this would be a big-time player if Syracuse is able to land him, but make no mistake, it's, it's a Syracuse versus Maryland battle as they get down the stretch of that recruitment. Mike, one last thought from you here, and this is pure speculation, but in looking out there and seeing the G League offering this big to five-star prospects, big-time prospects, I look at D.R. Johnson two years from now and I say, could he be in the mix? Could he be one of those players the G League targets? And again, it's, it's pure speculation, but 
what I wanted to reiterate for people out there is he's that kind of level talent, right? There's no question he's that kind of level talent. And so as you see the Geely start throwing around three, four, five hundred thousand dollars to to elite level high school prospects, that should absolutely concern Syracuse fans that are hoping to get Dior Johnson on campus. Now, there are some things that a college opportunity still offers. You're still going to get more exposure. You're still going to be able to enhance your brand as a sports figure and as a celebrity much more in college in the G League because, let's face it, people don't watch the G League. I understand they get people that go to games sometimes, whatever. Nobody follows it. Nobody really pays all that much attention to how players are doing in there and, and et cetera. It is the NBA organization's job to monitor that to see who they want to, to draft and bring up and all that stuff. But you get much more of an opportunity to have exposure playing on national television at a major program like a Syracuse, a Duke, a Kentucky, et cetera, than you do playing in the G League. That helps Syracuse's case. The name and likeness could potentially help Syracuse there, and they can say, we can get you marketing opportunities not only here, but you could get some nationally. But absolutely, if the G League is able to continue offering prospects that kind of money and it doesn't get them into severe cash crunches and money problems and financial issues, then yes, that absolutely is is a a huge hurdle for Syracuse to overcome in getting him on campus. Mike, great stuff as always. Appreciate the insight. Keep up the good work. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll definitely catch up uh, soon, my friend. Same to you, buddy. Appreciate it.